Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Softly Die Living Podcast, brought to you by Softly. This week, we have with us Steven Klausnitzer, CEO of Forever Labs. Uh, Steven and I have known each other for a few years, and not too long ago, Steven launched his startup with his partners, Forever Labs, and we're excited to have him tell us more about what they're doing and uh, <clears throat> and all the awesome benefits that Forever Labs can bring us. So, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks. Excited about it. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you as well. Uh, I know you'd been talking to Doug about, uh, about maybe getting your, your patented procedure done. Yeah, Stephen's... <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if it's patented or not. There are aspects to it that, like, are, that are patented, yeah. yeah. Stephen's orthopedics, uh, orthopedic doc's secretary is like... One of the most persistent people on the planet. <laughs> That's like, good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. I yeah. get emails and phone calls on the regular. <laughs> I keep telling her, I'm like, look, I'm about to deploy. I really want to do this. I, you know, filled out all the paperwork, mm-hmm. but getting to your office is going to be a real pain. Right. So. Well, but let's, uh, before we get down that rabbit mm-hmm. hole, Stephen, can you tell us, I mean, tell us about yourself and yeah. a little bit about the company? Sure, sure. So I'm Stephen Klausenser. I'm the CEO, co-founder of Forever Labs. Um, you know, in short, we will store your stem cells so you can live healthier longer. Um, we started the company about two years ago in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, I have spent my entire career in business development, uh, but I'm the only person on the co-founding team that isn't a PhD or an MD. So you can rest assured it's backed by science, solid science. But um, yeah, we started two years ago. People started flying into Michigan from all over the place to store their stem cells and we quickly realized we need to grow this thing. So now we're in nine states. We've got 30-plus doctors. Um, on the business side of things, we just got done with this uh, tech accelerator out in San Francisco called Y Combinator. Which yeah, is, which is pretty awesome, man. Yeah. yeah that's, I, w- I would argue is probably the, <laughs> the premier incubator, right? Well, I would say yeah. that just because I went through it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's awesome. It was um, really neat to be surrounded by uh, other companies that are working hard to, you know, make positive impacts in the world and doing cool things. So um, we just got done with that. Um, and I'm happy to talk about what we're doing, why it's important. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, so before can we, we get can into we, the yeah, science Can we stuff, assume that our baseline listener has no understanding of what stem cells really are? Well, I think Stephen's probably pretty good at explaining it in layman's terms. Perfect. So, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. So, I mean, a stem cell basically... Um, is a cell that can become many other types of cells in the body. And, you know, a cell is the basic, you know, building block for our entire body, right? Um, what we store at Forever Labs are called multipotent stem cells. It means they can be multiple different types of things in the body. In particular, these cells can be your bone, your blood, your immune system, your connective tissue, your vasculature, soft muscle. So some pretty important stuff in your body, right? But as you age, you lose these cells, and the ones that remain become damaged and less effective. And so you want to, it's like a save game state, right? If you could save where you're at right now, like pause, like how old are you, Doug? Uh, I'm 36, and I'm about to take on the big boss. All right, so 36 years old. Um, if you could have access to your 36-year-old biology in perpetuity, that's pretty cool, right? Oh, absolutely. So when you're 46, 56, 66, 76 years old, 
you'll, you could always have access to your 36-year-old bone, blood, immune system, connective tissue, vasculature, soft muscle. So that's the, the essence of what we're doing. That's really kind of like the basics of why you should, you know, bank your stem cells. So is this similar for, you know, people, adults our age? You know, we were born, the whole like cord blood banking thing wasn't around. Yeah. Is this kind of our version of cord blood banking? Yeah. And, per- and is precisely. it different? I mean, where will our kids, even if we did cord blood banking, yep. you know, will they want to have this procedure done in the future? Yeah. Good question. So that's kind of the elevator pitch for this. When we tell people that our parents, we say, you know, this is like cord blood for adults. So Aaron, you know, my wife just gave birth like 12, uh, 12 days ago now uh, to our daughter. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, we've got a baby girl and um, we, we stored her cord blood. And now her name's Mila. Mila will never have to have the Forever Labs procedure. The cells that we're storing for you guys, if you have this done, and I hope you all do. I know Aaron has. Um, the uh, cells that are in the cord blood and the cells that we're taking out of your bone marrow, very similar, very similar cell population. But I mean, banking the cord blood cells is better than banking 36 year old broken high lead level dug cells right yeah, yeah but until you guys invent a time machine we yeah that'd be the next step <laughs> the flux capacitor <laughs> you know what i am i'm i'm not kidding when i say we're working on it not a time machine per se but the ability to de-age a cell right so we know what goes wrong with, and, with and cells is that like shortening telomeres and that that kind of yeah, process. lengthening. Yeah, or lengthening. Yeah, telomeres. we have exceeded right. my bandwidth now. <laughs> All right, well, no, so yeah, yeah. just, just so, what Doug needs another way to avoid consequence. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are things like to put it really simply. Um, as you age, th- these cells accrue damage, and you know, like you've heard of DNA, this is how, right? This is how cancer is. Yeah. I mean, like is like a, a damaged cell replicates itself totally. as another damaged cell, and then it becomes cancer, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you have these things in your body called like senescent cells, and basically, it's a dead cell, right? It's a cell that turns off, and your cells do this over time as you age, and it's, there's really good reasons too, because if they don't turn off, they just become more damaged and maybe potentially become cancerous. But yep. still, these these cells that are in your body and they're just dead and floating around in there are bad news. They, they signal, um, they have negative signals they get off in the body and they can be uh, tumorigenic, right? So we have, we're working on creating, um, maybe it's too soon to talk about this, but we're working on uh, creating some IP around the ability to remove those senescent cells and at the same time, give yourself back your younger cells uh, to um, de-age your biology. So like notionally, that would like reverse the growth of, of tumors like non-malignant and so on and so forth? It, w- it would reduce the uh, risk okay. uh, of getting those things, okay. right? So we can, right now, we can definitely take like young Doug, 36-year-old Doug, give it back to 42-year-old Doug. I like um, that he thinks that this is young Doug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man, the thing is, is like that's the, the crazy thing about us as, as humans, right? It's like as we age, you look at a picture 10 years ago and you're like, damn, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, right? yeah. What, <laughs> what, what happened to me? I had yeah. kids and I stayed married and now I'm all gray. But then the, the reality is that you're going to look 10 years from now, at Doug, and you're going to be like, damn, I was awesome. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, um, and, and that's, you know, that's true. We're I want to be like that old guy in all the commercials for the anti-aging, like for, you know, TRT is like 70 years old and more ripped. Than yeah. The guy like, on the back of every airline magazine. Yeah. 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 If you saw him with his like shirt on, you'd be, he just looked like an old dude, but then he takes his shirt off and you're like, Oh my God. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, Smithers or not Smithers. Uh, what's the dude from <laughs> Flanders? the Sims? Flanders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flanders. <laughs> right. Sexy Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. 
But yeah. yeah, so I mean, the the thing is, is you're as young and as awesome as you're ever going to be right now, right? Um, and you can work out, you can exercise, you can do all these things, you can eat right, but eventually, like entropy is going to catch up with you, right? Like eventually, um, doesn't matter who you are, how healthy you are, you're going to fall off the same cliff from a cellular level. You're going to, um, it's coming for all yeah, of yeah. us. Understood. Not to be the harbinger of doom, but it's coming. Now, well, are stem cells the only only way or the best treatment right now that we have for you know attacking these problems of aging and, yeah. and disease? I assume. Well, the best thing you can do, honestly, is a sort of table stakes, and I think a lot of you know the people in your community are doing this is like healthy, living healthily, right, and optimizing your your health. And I know that Softly's all about that, right? Like through nutrition, diet, exercise, all this stuff. Um, so that's table stakes, but what can you do beyond that? Um, yeah, I would say stem cell is, is the next step, um, for treating a lot of these, uh, age related diseases, cardiovascular disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, but also like, um, a lot of athletes are setting these things aside, um, so they can have their own younger cells to treat post career trauma. Uh, the same thing would be with soldiers too, though. You'd have these, uh, cells set aside to treat things like TBI, um, osteoarthritis, uh, joint problems that are going to occur throughout your your life. Um, you know, a lot of these things, uh, especially the osteoarthritis, this is coming for all of us, but even more so for people that lived rigorous lifestyles, right? If you're, um, you know, if you're going to die living, you're probably going to get some bumps along the way. Right. <laughs> no well, regrets. <laughs> so, and where are we right now as far as the treatments? You know, let's say we, we do harvest stem mm-hmm. cells and they're stored correctly, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, are, where are we right now, and what are we looking at? You know, if I'm expecting to live like thirty, maybe forty more years, yeah. what is likely coming down the path? You know, is this something that maybe it doesn't cure cancer now, but hopefully in the future it's going to? Yeah. Um, well, let me tell you the things that I think are the most. Ex- I'll tell you where we're at now, and then I'll tell you what where I think we're headed and what's most exciting. Right. Sure. So right now, where we're at is that um, if you're going to grow these cells and reintroduce them in the body, which is our intent, right? It's the ability to, these cells, you can grow them exponentially. And almost, you can have like an almost unlimited amount of, I keep harping on this, but like 36-year-old Doug, <laughs> you can grow those cells over and over and over it's again, It's like right? a Doug yeast infection. <laughs> Does the world need unlimited 36-year-old Doug? I don't know. That's for you guys to answer now. I, I mean. feel like the world could benefit from unlimited 36-year-old Dougs. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe, uh, le- maybe less xenophobic, uh, but nonetheless. Like, so. Agent Smith in the Matrix. You never <laughs> stop to ask if you could, Mr. Scientist. Yeah, well, no, no. He, he can should. if he should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jurassic Park conundrum. Yes, <laughs> you can't. You we can. Should we have that? Uh, you know, that's a question for you guys in regards to Doug. But we can expand these cells and grow them exponentially, like for almost ever, right? Um, but the FDA won't let us right now put them back into the body. As soon as you grow them, they're referred to as modified. And the, the FDA regulates them like a drug, unless you're part of an FDA-approved clinical trial. Therein, they, they use these cells, expand them, and grow them. How, so, do, we, how do we get in that trial? Yeah. So you, I think you can go to fda.gov slash clinical trial or something like that and look for what ails you and try to, try to get involved. Um, and I apologize for not having a better no, URL. Good, I think man. that's right, though. Um, the winter soldier. So... That's right now, and our goal as a company is to be able to take, like I said earlier, Doug's cells, grow them, and reintroduce them while he's still healthy so he doesn't get any of these things, right? So is this something that ideally you would be doing as like a regular preventative yes. procedure? Yes, and that's our goal as a company. So right now we're doing animal work where we're taking cells from young mice, young mousy Doug, and putting them in, uh, in older genetically matched mice. Mm-hmm. 
to show that they live longer. And they do. They live about 16% longer with just like one reintroduction, healthily longer. What we're doing now is trying to figure out how can we optimize that and put these cells back at different intervals so that these mice live significantly longer. And we are going to bring forth the first clinical trial at Forever Labs where we do that with our clients that banked with us, you know, five years previous. I'm really regretting not having my stem cells taken right now. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. You can have it. You can have it done later. Let's reverse the clock. Can I, can, will this take away the bad decisions I made in the last five years as well, or do I just have to relive those? Um, I think that I can't help you there, man. Uh, but no, what you what I always tell people is try to be the best version of yourself. An honest you know? salesman is the best yeah. kind of salesman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is like you are at your best state right now, you know. So st- store them now. As far as what uh, we're most excited about, though, Aaron, um, it is the ability to do what I just said, which is reintroduce your healthy cells while you're still healthy, so you don't get all these diseases. Right? Um, these cells are amazing at finding areas in the body that are injured. So you reintroduce them intravenously and they hone right to areas of injury. So if you have any inflammation in your body, they just somehow know to go there. They go there, um, they decrease the inflammation. If there's any damage, they can often repair the damage. Um, Yeah, it's miraculous stuff. Now, do you, you need to use your own stem cells or can you use any stem cells? Yeah, it's a good question. So for, um, Decreasing inflammation, you could potentially use someone else's cells for that. Um, mm-hmm. That's called heterochronic. Or, I'm sorry. That's called um, uh, it's called autologous when you're using your own. When you're using someone else's, it's called. Um, I'm spacing. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, edit. This, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> you know, it's I've, called other people's symptoms. <laughs> you can make it up, and we wouldn't head know. Trauma, but you are not <laughs> so lucky. But anyways, um, you can use someone else's stem cells, which is the technical term. Uh, <laughs> And it will decrease inflammation, but it won't regrow tissue. So if you want to regrow healthy tissue, you need your own cells. And the reason is, is that your immune system will see the other cells as a foreign sort of entity. Does that, you know, introduce any type of like graft versus host risk? Or is it just that they won't work for that function? For that, it just won't work for that function. Unless you have, let's say you have a a cancer and you're reintroducing these cells, uh, like a bone marrow transplant, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is very similar in, in... theory to what we're doing here. These are bone marrow derived stem cells. So if you're introducing for to treat cancer, um, what they will often do is they'll ablate your immune system, give you like heavy immunosuppressants, and then introduce someone else's bone marrow. Because even if you're a match, there's like a 50% rejection rate. Yeah. Um, and that, what happens is your body, yeah, it's graft versus host. Yeah, we know someone who's been dealing with graft versus host disease from a bone marrow transplant. Yeah, I'm um, sorry, man, that sucks. It's been a, a rough ride. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. So had that person, you know, or anyone for that matter, had access to their own precancerous bone marrow, they could have been, you know, their own best so donor. So would right? only but bone marrow work at that point? Or, I mean, would, um, I mean, you know, the um, cord blood actually help as well? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the cord, if you had access to your own cord blood yep. and you got a blood cancer, I think if I'm not mistaken, those are some of the first use cases that okay. have been used. There's only been a few. The thing is, is so many of these diseases and that they're treating are age-related diseases. And core blood's been around for like, you know, maybe 18 years, right? Um, well, 20 years. So they, there's not a lot of 20-year-olds running around getting oste- you know, osteoarthritis. So to, I guess, go further back, um, before we started talking about Forever Labs, like my real only exposure to stem cells in general was like the ne- the negative media attention 
done in the whole like pro-life pro-choice argument about like harvesting yeah. stem cells mm-hmm. you know um what is the difference like i mean what were they doing at that point why was it stigmatized negatively and how are we like moving forward i mean we've still done research like we see this is worthwhile mm-hmm. but why are people not complaining about embryonic stem cell research anymore yeah I think people still are complaining about embryonic stem cell research. What are the advantages of that over what we're doing now? I mean, embryonic, we're starting before conception, right? Like, we're like, hey. Yeah, this is an ethical question that um, I'm I'm fine to answer. I'm I'm happy to answer it. I I have no problem with it personally. Um, All the research we're doing and much of the research I'm referencing is all stem cell research that's that's done with bone marrow derived stem cells and also adipose derived stem cells which is are just stem cells derived from people's fat right so uh, they're not embryonic uh in nature um i'm sure there are studies that can only occur with embryonic stem cells because you have this um huge population of what are called pluripotent stem cells and these are stem cells that can literally be anything in the body and those are within embryonic Yes, and that's more. different from a multipotent stem cell? Yeah, so a multipotent stem cell can be many things in the body, not all things, right? So pluripotent stem cell. This is, I mean, honestly, like, I feel smarter already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. We, we so need a lab code for Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Doug? So, for the, but so there's a benefit to, be, to, to these embryonic stem cells. So this cells. is the difference between eating mutton and eating veal. Is that a tasteless enough reference? Like veal is dramatically so, better. But, the, but what you're saying is there, the, the amount of what your research needs to accomplish can be accomplished with the bone marrow. Yeah. Multipotent stem cells. You don't need the pluripotent yeah. stem cells. And, mu- and so much research can be, right? So uh, what, but what, what, happened, what is the difference? Like what, uh, what can those grow into that a multipotent can't? Well, the pluripotent stem cell could be literally anything in anything. the body. Anything. But so the, your whole your whole body is comprised of these cells, right? Like these stem cells are the basis for your liver, or like anything. I can't take a mesenchymal stem cell from the bone marrow and make it into a liver. It's already partially differentiated down a path. Okay. That path for that cell in particular is called anything in the mesenchyme, which is like your bone, your you know some connective tissue, things like that. But um, it can be many. I mean, the bone marrow is what makes your bone, your blood, your immune system, your connective tissue. I think I mentioned this, like vasculature, soft muscle. Sure. So you have all those things, but I can't take it, the bone marrow. And you can't make a heart out of it. Yeah. You can't make a liver um, out of it. But I will say, so this is super cool. So Johns Hopkins just released a study where they um, they took a bunch of people after a heart attack and they uh, grew their bone marrow derived mesenchymal stem cells, introduced them right into the infarct area of the heart. So Sounds right, pleasant. Yeah, doesn't that sound nice? But if you have, I'm sure if, they were sedated, bro. After you have a heart attack, though, you're like, do what you can, right? Like, fix me, right? No, they just pulp fiction it. Marker on the chest. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so yeah, they introduce them right into the heart, um, and uh, they're able to grow healthy tissue. So where there's damaged tissue and scarring, they're they're able to regrow healthy tissue. But there's a number of people that wanted to participate in this study because they had a heart attack. But couldn't because when they plated the cells from their bone marrow, they didn't have enough, and the ones that were there wouldn't grow. So it's, I mean, that's so right having there. stem cells on file have them would have helped heal their hearts. Absolutely, well, said. better than a hooker in Bangkok. So I, you're saying, I can't say that. That's not. Yeah, <laughs> it might not be better than that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so I, I have a child that's going to be born in the next month. Congrats! Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And. So you think that it would be wise for me to get? I would do it. Yes. You would do that. I and did, you did it for I your own child. Yes, I used. Um, there are many companies out there that will do this. I used a company called CBR, Core Blood Registry. I thought they did a fantastic job. Now, what like you know the 
many years elapse, you know, from your birth till when you might need this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what, what sort of, um, like companies like yours, mm-hmm. like how does the, uh, you know, the custody, the chain of custody go with these products? Like say something happens to forever labs, is that yeah. just the end of my stem cells or is there like a, a plan B? Yeah. So that's a good question that I'm, I'm surprised more of our clients don't ask, but, um, so Aaron, you asked, uh, so the, well, uh, Hey man, I mean, you know, the whole thing, right. Is that essentially this procedure, cord blood, all, all it is really is an option, right? Like you're paying money, you're taking, you're taking this action. That's an option. Maybe you'll in the future, maybe you'll be able to use it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you won't, but either way, you know, it's kind of, you're paying for, for the future right to do something. Yeah. Um, if you don't do it, you will not be able to do something, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Plant so, the tree 20 years ago kind of thing. But yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole thing is that that all depends on you having trust in the company and the storage mm-hmm. place that yeah. not only are they not going to go out of business, but you know, man, like they're going to not forget to pay their power bill. And like one day, like the freezers just thaw out and yeah. it's like, oh, well, let yeah, me, like, I mean, let me specifically answer the question though. So we do have things set up. So right now we are uh, well beyond parity in regards to how many clients we need to be paying us annually to cover the storage bill. So we have more than enough revenue coming in from our annual storage fee, which is $250 per client um, to pay for what I have to pay to store the cells. I outsource that with a company called Fisher Bioservices. It's a huge company. It's all they do. It's their core competency. The cells are stored in um, Franklin, Massachusetts, in an FDA-compliant biorepository, like in liquid nitrogen. So if the power goes out, there's still liquid nitrogen there, so you don't have to worry about them paying the power bill. But um, I feel yeah. like the plot of a future zombie movie is going to be like trying to make it to this. To this, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, have yeah. to we have to get to Massachusetts. We have to get to Franklin. All I can think about is for all the Mila, multipotent stem cells. Mila Jovovic getting in that like tube getting all of like all of her damage healed by lasers i'm like i'm pretty sure they use stem cells for that so the more important question is are you umbrella corporation (laughs) was that the name of that yeah yes i wish Hmm. right Uh, well so yeah i mean i guess what you know timeline wise mm -hmm. like what are we looking at as far as your guess as far you know for both fda approval or you know are there are there places like in the Bahamas that I could go if I wanted to have mm-hmm. these procedures done now? There are. And yeah. how shady are they? Um, yeah. You know, but uh, assuming that I'm not going the Bahamian route, you know, what do I need to look forward to? When mm-hmm. can I start having these procedures? Mm-hmm. And where are things on the catastrophic side? You know, like I get cancer or some, you know, Alzheimer's, et cetera. Yeah. So here's the the good news. If you had cancer or if you had anything that these cells, uh, a physician, your physician said, hey, I could use these, it'll save Aaron's life. The FDA uh, is very, very reticent to get between a doctor and their patient. Mm -hmm. But if a doctor's out there saying, advertising, I'll expand stem cells to reintroduce them into you know, you and things like that, that's where the FDA gets involved and says, hey, you can't, you can't be doing that. But if it's in your best interest and, and a doctor deems it so, uh, you'll be able to use them. Um, now, there are no shortage of places that will offer it in Mexico, Cayman, like I said, Cayman Islands, all these places like that. Um, are they shady is your question? Uh, some of them probably are. I always give the same advice to our, our clients or anyone. If you're looking to have a stem cell treatment, do two things. Um, make sure the physician, I, I think 
U.S. trained physicians are phenomenal. I'm biased. My wife's a doctor, but uh, that was trained here at Duke, actually. Um, so I always would look at that, look at their training, where they trained. Is it a reputable institution? And make sure the doctors that they're using at any of these institutions are actually practicing medicine in their chosen <laughs> field of specialty, right? right. You, you don't, do you want a chiropractor like treating your stroke? Probably not, right? So, sure. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and that, I mean... I hope James Markham's listening so he can hear me say, I don't know why you'd want a pseudo-doctor to look at anything. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah, I think... Sorry, chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> when I had the procedure done, I was blown away at... And I don't know if this is because the, you know, the orthopedic surgeon's, like, just that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, everything you hear about, like, bone marrow biopsies mm-hmm. are that they're super painful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, man, I mean, you pick me up, like I took, a, <laughs> yeah. I took a Valium and like a codeine and this dude, you know, drilled like a corkscrew into my pelvis and yeah. I couldn't feel anything. And, you know, an hour yeah. later it was totally gone. I was like a little bit sore on a, on the pain scale the next day, I would say it was like a one. Yeah. And then it was gone. Yeah. So, so. that I was most freaked out about that when we started the company. Like if, if, if it hurts like hell, like who's going to do this and right. who's going to like tell their friends to do it? You know, so um, I was the third person to do it on the team, and um, I would give it a three or a four, maybe out of ten on the discomfort scale, and that's about what we average. Um, and the doctor that you had is great. Dr. Barker is a Duke-trained orthopedic surgeon, he's a doctor for the Carolina Hurricanes. He's he's awesome, but um, it's surprisingly well tolerated. But the thing is, you say the word bone marrow, and people get freaked out. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, it's delicious. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, is. <laughs> it's great on steaks and also is Meat super butter. painful. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really well tolerated. It's not painful. It's a 15-minute outpatient procedure. Um, and then afterwards, um, you know, you have access to your, your cells for the rest of your life that are no longer aging. And yeah. Right. Well, one of the things you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. was, you know, TBIs. Yeah. And especially, you know, we have a lot of uh, people in the softly community that mm-hmm. are obviously in the military, mm-hmm. um, maybe at greater risk mm-hmm. for TBIs. So why, you know, why is that more important or is it more important, you know, for people that have that risk, not only for, you know, joint degrade, degradation, mm-hmm. you know, either from, you know, like carrying heavy loads all the time, um, but also from potential, you know, TBIs. Why should those people, you know, do this, like, where is the technology as far as healing or treating mm-hmm. that stuff? Yeah. So there's a clinical trial at Texas that is the um, University of Texas at Arlington, I think. Anyways, what they're doing is they're using these cells to treat TBI. Um, uh, it's something that for soldiers, I even think for professional athletes, look, look at what's happening in the NFL right now. Yeah. Right? All the CTE and... Um, yeah. Don't uh, get me started on CTE. That's like, we're, we're now we're finally... Uh, did you guys see the article I posted about the SEAL's wife that donated his brain to... No, work? I missed that. Yeah, it's like there's an ongoing little small study about CTE in vets now, and they're seeing that like blast overpressure has a more damaging effect than concussion does for CTE. So essentially at least three of the five people in this room right now are actively engaging in practices that are going to result in our insanity and eventual suicide. So, like, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's thank, a... thank me for my service, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Doug. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, 
I'm glad you brought that up. It's it sucks and it's but it's a reality and and it's something that you really can plan for. I mean the uh, like I mentioned that study they're using these cells to treat right into actually the, if I'm not mistaken they're doing it intravenously and they're honing to the brain like we talked about earlier Doug how they yep. they know where inflammation is in the body. Um, and they'll go to the brain and decrease inflammation. That's a big part of uh, of TBI is like the, this inflammation that just never goes away. And it reduces the blood flow, right? Which results yeah. in like dead tissue. The inflammation, yes. yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's very much like, like a stroke, right? Like after you have a stroke, um, you have to treat it very, very quickly um, because your brain starts to die uh, and there's not a lot you can do about that. What they're finding out though, it's like these cells can actually re, uh, rejuvenate damaged tissue. So... Have you guys Seven talked to the military at all about, you know, working with them to Cur- be... Currently, the military, uh, the military is going through a regenesis of some kind in this process where they, they're saying they still are unwilling to admit that they, can, I, they can't identify traumatic brain injury through the process of MRIs. Like, you can't actually see the damage done through MRIs effectively, but the military is still like, oh, well, your MRI is four years old. It's good to go. Like, you're forget about those other deployments and stuff. Yeah, but like, this seems like the type of thing that should just become part of the regiment. Yeah, like of, you sign up, you store yourself. You know, which is of which, the health um, health I, program or health system. I absolutely agree with you, but like we haven't gotten the VA or the military healthcare system to admit that this is actually a traceable problem yet. So like until they admit that it's an issue then certainly treatment for it. Like That's one reason I wanted to talk with you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems weird because they'll pump you guys full of all kinds of shit before you go on deployment, right? Oh, yes. That's, so, I, let me ask therein you lies the issue. Do you think that's that, why I have autism. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny McCarthy speaks. Do you think that uh, they won't acknowledge that it's an actual problem just because as soon as you acknowledge it, you're accountable for solving it? Or So I, I think that like the... the the um, conspiracy theory would be that they don't want to spend the money to fix it. I, mm-hmm. I don't personally believe that. I think it's a, a balance sheet thing. I think that because they can't quantify it, because you can't really tell, you can't say at the VA, like, well, this guy has 10% brain damage and this guy has 90. Like, how are we going to, you know, actually remunerate these people for the damage done to their body? Like, they can't determine. And because of that, they can't actually say this is a problem. It's like the whole battle with PTSD where we're saying like, well, everybody that comes in has PTSD unless they don't want to be adjudicated mentally unfit. Therefore they hide that they have PTSD Mm. and we're not going to assess that as an issue. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't work in the military healthcare system, so I don't know. I just know that within the soft community, there's been kind of a, um, a, a revolution, honestly, of operators that have, have seen downturns in their health, and they're now addressing those things through functional medicine, holistic practices, um, and they're actually getting the chain of command to get in step by showing them that it costs them much less to spend five to $10,000 per soldier on preventative medicine and encouraging them to track their own health mm-hmm. than they would spend on, you know, post hab like mm-hmm. hey check it out like there's all this damage that's been done now we're going to pour money and drugs into this person mm-hmm. and basically just make them um you know non-copus mentis for the rest of their lives on whatever opiates to administer the pain mm-hmm. but going back going back a little bit i think you are right i think i think some some of what the government deals with is like not necessarily 
like we're not the football organization like we're more war fighters you can't say like oh well blast over pressure is causing cte therefore no one's going to train with explosive demo sure, you know sure. with yeah. with breaching no that's going to happen because like when the next war kicks off like you need people that are staying well, ready to do and that with an all volunteer force we already have a huge deficit on recruiting and if everybody who sees a recruiting poster knows that they're signing a death warrant or that they're creating massive brain injury i don't think i think it'd be more difficult for them to recruit yeah, and and uh, look, at, you look at Mefloquine. You know, the, the army was giving that, mm, the military was giving dreams. that for, to, for malaria prevention for years, and it was making people go crazy and, and do all sorts of terrible things. And only now is the army saying like, well, maybe we should like throttle back Mefloquine and give people malarone or these other mm-hmm. state of the art anti-malarials that have been available for a while <laughs> for a hundred years. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It really is, and I actually I really do see a lot of parallels between um, the NFL and. And uh, I'm honestly surprised that it was there was such a short flash to bang with the NFL on admitting. I mean, I realize that the, you know, concussion movie makes it out like there was this huge there was a, a battle between um, what was the doctor's name? Amalaru or yeah. Amalu or whatever. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> between him and the NFL admitting that it was a problem. But I mean, now the NFL saying, hey, we're recognizing this mm-hmm. is a problem and we want to deal with it mm-hmm. in some capacity. Um magnify that problem by 10,000 and you have the US Army mm-hmm. or or the Marine Corps or whatever the military services where I mean it's not just direct action combat guys that are being exposed to this overpressure pretty much everybody that's working in a support position around fighter jets or people I mean there's a lot of jobs that have crazy exposures in the military and they have to exist or the military doesn't function yeah well and, and stem cells to me it it seems like that would be the perfect place to sort of figure out the efficacy of it, right, for traumatic brain injury. Because mm-hmm. we're basically lab rats in the military. Like, there's like FDA is sort of like, well, that's that's a nice guideline, FDA, but we're the military. Like, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've uh, signed a waiver to get freeze, freeze dried plasma products, not available in the US, not not okay. You're, mm-hmm. you're, if I go into a level one trauma center because I got in a car wreck, they cannot give me freeze-dyed plasma. However, the military is like, well, you sign on the dotted line, mm-hmm. we can give you these very exotic products you know, that may potentially save your life on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. I think Frank is the same way. So it seems like for stem cells, like the sort, like you were talking about, like the FDA doesn't get in a relationship, but mm-hmm. in between your doctor and your patient, mm-hmm. having a big bank of all the soldiers' stem cells yeah. and files. Yeah, like having like your cells and not just having them frozen, but having them already expanded and ready to rock, Yeah. right? Like if I were the military, I would do that. I, I really would. And if you guys want to introduce me to, you know, someone you know, to make that happen, I'll go just for flip it. Open my <laughs> but to answer your question, Aaron, I have not had that conversation. Yet. We're uh, we're gonna have a guy named Jeff Diardia on the podcast uh, as soon as possible, who is actually pretty much the pioneer guy who did the soft health initiative. And I know that Jeff, after hearing this podcast, which I'm going to send to him, <laughs> will be all about talking with you about yeah, this. I'd, love that. Uh, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. So. <clears throat> One of the things I keep thinking when I think about this stuff is, you know, theoretically, if you had good enough stem cells, you know, could you live forever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea is, you know, a question. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, right? Aaron's, I mean, Aaron's wondering when he can fire his blood boy. Right. <laughs> no, the idea, though, is that we watched that episode of that show. And we're like, oh, crap. Right? <laughs> Man, Silicon Valley is so funny. It is. Yeah. Um, no, but especially when you're talking about lengthening tel- telomeres and yeah. reversing the aging yeah. of the cells, right? Like, at what point 
does it go from, hey, we're slowing down aging yeah. to we're stopping aging to we're going to get you into, you know, like yeah. 30, 30 year old, you know, peak fitness and just kind of keep you there type of thing. Yeah. So never been um, done before. I love right. it. I love it because uh, it's it's a question that, in my opinion, isn't laughed at like the way it would have been maybe 10 years ago. Right. And it's because the science is progressing and uh, to a place that makes it, I think, much more realistic. The idea Around longevity medicine is you're replacing the parts faster than the damage is accruing, right? So if you can re- if you can repair the damage faster than it's happening in your body, that's when you reach what people refer to as escape velocity, right? Like the ability right. to uh, get outside the pull of death uh, because um, you're replacing that damage faster than it's happening. Now, with stem cells, can you use those? Is that the end-all, be-all? I don't think so. I think it's a step in that direction. If you can be replacing your... Uh, bone marrow niche over time with your, you know, 36 year old self or 45 year old self, whatever it is. Um, I think you can uh, slow down the process and extend healthy lifespan. And is that the bridge that gets you to the next technology, whether it's gene editing or um, uh, who knows? So who is gene and why are we editing? (laughs) Well, but even that stuff, I mean, the, I'm, I'm no scientist. Mm -hmm. I don't even play one on, on the podcast, but I think that the whole idea behind like CRISPR editing, right, mm-hmm. is, is super crazy. The whole ushering in of like the Gattaca era of mm-hmm. being yeah. able to kind of choose your baby, design your baby, so to speak. You can get CRISPR um, kits online for like 40 bucks. Like it's insane. Like, I, I, you, well, what do you do with them though? Well, you I mean, can literally like do little, like you can do actual gene editing, like in a, like a, like a science thing yeah. for with your kids. Yeah, tons like of this, bi- It's like the. the really? The, yeah. Yeah. At home yeah. biohacking is like a real thing now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, people are really, in, but, um, like Chris so easy Doug can do it. Well, it's like, <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's like gene sequencing went from like, you know, $2 million a, a patient to like under, you know, you could send in your, your thing and figure out yeah. you're a quarter native American and it's the same thing. It's yeah, like with Chris is even faster and me thing. Oh really? I mean, well, I haven't gotten the results back yet. I just got mine. My money. What's the over under on Neanderthal for Aaron? Neanderthal. <laughs> <laughs> one one eighth Asian American, one eighth you know Native American. The best. <clears throat> Genghis Khan. <laughs> Literally, the best things I've seen on TV are when they do uh, the gene background, like you know, ethnic testing on white supremacists. Oh, amazing. Yeah. oh, that must be hilarious. <laughs> it's like yeah. the, the level of denial when they're like, I am one eighth African American. Right. What? <laughs> it's like to catch a predator on yourself, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Clayton yeah. Bigsby. Well, so hey, one of the things that I unfortunately have is, uh, and I forget the exact um, mutation, but I'm like 20% more likely to have. Uh, late onset Alzheimer's than the average person. So, yikes! Wah wah wah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but is it is this my your cue to throw a pity party? Like we didn't <laughs> even bring presents. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, um, uh, but to get back to your question, Aaron, I, I do think it's realistic uh, that people could eventually live forever. Are we going to at this table? I hope so. I don't know. Uh, I do think it's not unrealistic that you know we're living to 150 years old at this table. But only for people that have their cord blood saved. No, st- uh, they're y- young adult stem cells with Forever Labs. Oh, fair right. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> After fair I bank my stem cells, I'm changing my name to Methuselah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. <laughs> Doug's going to be like the guy in that X-Men movie. The Which one? The most recent one. The guy that you know, kind of comes back, he changes all bodies all the time. I don't know. I feel like I may not have seen this movie. I've been on airplanes a lot, so <laughs> I feel like I've been watching. They all blur together. 
But uh, in any event, well, one thing, one thing I do also want to talk about while you're here isn't mm-hmm. just the science stuff, but mm-hmm. want to hear about your experience at Y Combinator. Okay. Um, you know, yeah. what, what that kind of did for you guys as far as helping kind of, you along the startup route. What kind of cologne does Sam Altman wear? <laughs> he smells wonderful. <laughs> like angels ought to smell. He smells like brilliant money. No, um, <laughs> Uh, it was awesome. It was, and actually, Sam is awesome. Uh, the whole experience is really cool. Uh, so, for people that don't know, can you give us like a little bit mm-hmm. of an idea? You know, what is Y Combinator? What is it? You know, an incubator, accelerator, sure. et cetera. Who are the guys behind it? Mm-hmm. And like, why did you go out there? Yeah. So, Y Combinator is this thing that was started by a guy named Paul Graham, and uh, I don't know how many years ago, but some time ago. And basically, it's a tech accelerator and incubator. They take uh, young businesses. Um, and grow them quickly. Uh, part of it's growing them quickly over a three-month span. You're out there for three months, and uh, it's mandatory that at least one one time a week you attend a dinner. And at this dinner, you know they'll have um, uh, sort of the elites of the entrepreneurial world come talk to you. So uh, big, big companies, the CEOs come talk to you, and they basically tell you uh, about how they built their company, the mistakes they made, and all this stuff. It's really cool because you realize that, hey, I'm not the only one that you know, is struggling with X, Y, or Z, right? The, the, the founder of Dropbox had the same problems we're having, the founder of Airbnb, you know, et cetera. So um, it's an accelerator that uh, coaches you and gets you up and running and um, uh, helps you pour f- uh, fuel on what's already working and uh, fix what's not. And um, something like... 10,000 businesses apply to be in it every single year and uh, only, uh, you know, 100 or so get in. And uh, You guys didn't even apply, did you? No, we didn't apply. And um, <laughs> This story gets better. Yeah. <laughs> there was a number of people that were like Y Combinator alum and had businesses that were storing their stem cells with us in San Francisco. And uh, Sam Altman heard about us through that, I believe, and reached out to us. We had a meeting with them. And it's funny, I, I sat down with them and I... <laughs> So Sam wanted to fire his blood boy is what you're getting at. <laughs> his blood boy, yeah. <laughs> so we, um, I sat down with him and the uh, first thing I was like, uh, I, want, I want you to invest in our company to Sam. And he said, I only invest in Y Combinator companies and good, you know, close friends. And I was like, well, I'm a really nice guy. <laughs> He's like, no, I think you should be in Y Combinator. So we joined it as the best decision I could have ever made for the company. And there's a million reasons why, but it comes down to just being surrounded by amazing people that are working their asses off like 24 seven, uh, around like a singular vision. Like you're surrounded by a hundred other companies that are just as obsessed as you are about what they're building. And there's just a lot of power in that. There really is. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, sounds like a pretty awesome atmosphere. It's just insanely awesome. I, I really wish I was still doing it. It's that much fun. And I always say, this is the greatest compliment I can give anything is that I, I hope that my kids get to have a similar experience in their lifetime. Well, yeah. so what would you say like the biggest lesson or greatest takeaway from Y Combinator was for you? Well, like their motto is build something people want. And I think that's really kind of table stakes for starting anything. Um, but the biggest lesson I have is how they work. So every week you sit down in a small group with a, a mentor and you come in and you, you have a KPI, like a key performance indicator. Ours is like client signups, right? And you sit down with this mentor. You define the KPI. Yeah, you choose it. Um, and every week they'll say, what's you know, standing between you and you know, meeting this? And if the answer is the same, more th- like the, the next week when you come in there, um, it just doesn't stand. You need to solve your problems very, very quickly. Um, and so I guess just execution is the greatest thing I learned. I know it's not 
it's it, most people would be like, yeah, well, that's obvious. It, to the level at which they have you execute there, it's not. Um, I bet for a military, you guys would be like, yeah, and that's because you guys do that every day. Like if you don't go out there and um, perform, it's not tolerated. But in the business world, there's a lot of people that are on autopilot. You know, they have a cool idea. They're surrounded by a cool office and I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people get. I feel like Brian's like, mm, you don't maybe know that much about the military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right. I don't actually. Yeah. <laughs> My knuckles drag the ground like pretty bad. <laughs> well, rule number one in special forces training is how to sound smart <laughs> without being smart. Hey, welcome to entrepreneurism. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's there, there are a lot of people faking it. Right. And then there are people out there that are just working super, super hard every single day. And that's, um, you know, high activity equals high results. And that's certainly one of the things they pound into you at, at. And the other thing is meet your customers and know them, know them inside and out. Like Airbnb is a company that went through uh, Y Combinator and was not doing well until they started flying out and literally meeting all their customers in person. And they solved a lot of problems because of that. So same thing with Forever Labs. I try to go to as many of the procedures as I can and meet our customers, our clients one-on-one. Um, and we learn a lot about what we're doing well and what we need to fix. So um, I could go on and on about this, Aaron. It was an amazing experience. No, that's awesome. I really enjoyed hearing about it. Cool. When we talked, uh, you know, last week, so yep. kind of definitely wanted to touch on that in the podcast. Um, so I think one of the things that we're doing, and correct me if I'm overstepping mm-hmm. my bounds, is that we're going to be giving away a free stem cell procedure. What? I, I've not heard about this. Right? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Way to, get, way, way to get him on the podcast. <laughs> right? This is the bait and switch. The old uh, last minute put you on the spot. Um, so we're going to be doing that, and we haven't talked about it, so maybe we can talk about it right now. Yeah. But um, I know we're going to have, anyone can go to softly.com mm-hmm. slash forever labs mm-hmm. and sign up. We're gonna pick you know randomly one person to receive the procedure. Great. Um, you know what is what does that person need to know and mm-hmm. where they're gonna to have to be? Is it gonna be in North Carolina or no? So we have um, we're in nine states now. You can go to our website and click get started to get an idea of the states where we're at. We're in San Francisco, L.A., um, New York. So those are our major markets. We're also in North Carolina, Michigan, Texas. Uh, so yeah, you don't have to be in any of those specific markets. You can be in any of them. You could travel to them. Um, uh, and what you should know is that it's really quite simple. It's a 15-minute outpatient procedure. It'll take you, I would allocate 45 minutes of your day towards it from when you arrive and when you leave the office. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, if people just want to sign up, they can use the code SOFTLEAD. Yeah, use SOFTLEAD and you'll um, you'll get your first year of storage for free. Basically, you get $250 off of the procedure. And where can we find you? Where can we sign yeah. up? Go to uh, foreverlabs.com. Click get started, go through the process, make sure when uh, you go to pay and there's a referral button, put in Softleet and click apply and you'll get $250 off of the procedure. Boom. Yeah. 250 bucks. Yep. Do I get a checkbook so I can like write a check and you give me one stem cell? Right. I'm making withdrawals. (laughs) (laughs) I want to pay per cell. One stem cell, please. Right. Someday it might even work like that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and go to softly.com slash forever labs and you can enter to, to win a free stem cell banking procedure. Yes. So yeah. excited to do that. Steven, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. This is like we're, one of the most fun ones I've, I've done. This is awesome. We're looking forward <laughs> to seeing what you guys do as a company. I know you got big things in store. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. And congrats yeah, thanks, on a new baby. Hey, yeah. thanks a lot. Good luck with yours. <laughs>